Welcome to another episode of Saints and Sinners Unplugged. I am Ken Jones, and I am joined by our regular co-hosts, Pastor David Menendez, Pastor Aldo Leon, and Pastor Jose Prado. Uh, now, I know we've kind of been out of sync over the last few weeks, and if you've been listening to our program uh, by way of radio, you've heard a few reruns. And uh, it's not us repeating, it's uh, the old shows being aired for a number of reasons. But anyways, we are able to get back in the saddle and continue our discussion uh, concerning uh, reformational themes. We have been looking over the last several weeks at the idea of a theology of glory, or we've been unpacking Luther's great uh, construction of a theology of glory versus the theology of the cross. In addition to that, or I should say in conjunction with that, we have also talked about the hiddenness of God, which corresponds to a, the a theology of the cross, mainly meaning there that God's presence among us, God's gift of salvation, is not in the extraordinary ways that we would expect. But God redeems us and God reveals himself through ordinary things that don't always get our attention. Hence, the contrast between a theology of glory versus a theology of the cross. Now, in continuing that discussion, I want us to begin with a passage from 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 22 through 24 and that's, we want to take the, the conversation in a little bit different direction as we continue this great theme. So would some, one of us, uh, would one of you read that for us? First uh, Corinthians chapter one, I got verses it. 22 through 24. For the Jews ask for signs and the Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. Yet to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ is God's power. And God's wisdom. Now that's a great passage. Now what I what I see in in this passage is Paul is describing the pagan response to the gospel, and the pagan response to the gospel is that the gospel itself is foolishness. Now, am am I right there? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And it goes on to say later on that the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit. Okay. Yeah. So so the the power of God mm -hmm. on display in the gospel is not naturally comprehended by fallen men. Right. But now he also goes on to not just talk about fallen or unregenerate the unregenerate mind in general that does not perceive the power of God and the wisdom of God in the gospel. But he then goes to pagan religions. Mm -hmm. So because every pagan person is not necessarily religious. And so he talks about the Jews. Yeah. And he says the Jews in their, in their religion, not just in their fallen state, they are not seeing the power of God. Now, what does he say they're looking for? Sign. Yeah. Yeah. Sign. Now, Signs. I think it's in there where we see not just uh, and and then same thing with uh was it the Greeks he says they are looking for um wisdom. wisdom so in other words what the the presuppositions that undergird most natural religion is that any evidence of deity 
will be seen in what we would call perhaps a Damascus Road experience, that it will be something spectacular. Right. So the coming of the king could never be in a manger. That's right. Yeah. It's always going to be on CNN and in a palace. Mm. That's right. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yes. So for that reason, in looking for that, if we're looking for the liver shiver, you know, if we're looking for um, the sky opening up, then we will always miss the gospel mm-hmm. or we'll always we'll, we'll find something that does bring a liver shiver and we'll call that the gospel. Mm-hmm. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll find something that does appeal to our natural appetites and we call that the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> one of the things that is uh, important to understand from the passage here is that, you know, uh, when Paul says we preach Christ crucified, um, that that is him summarizing the gospel into the you know substitutionary sacrifice of Christ on the cross, and and when you think about that, I mean, it, uh, obviously to the to the natural person, to the natural man, that's got to be foolishness. I mean, you're saying that the good news, this this gospel, this this awesome thing that that God is revealing, He's doing so through a man being nailed to a wooden cross as a mm. criminal. Yeah. Yeah, and, and don't we see that in Luke 24 with the disciples on the road to Emmaus after the resurrection and Jesus encounters them? They don't recognize who he is. And he asked them, why are they so despondent? And they said, well, you haven't heard about this Jesus of Nazareth who we thought was the Messiah. He was a prophet of God and we thought he was the Messiah, but he got crucified. Yeah. Hence, he couldn't be the Messiah. So that being the case, what Paul says here about uh, the Greeks looking for wisdom and the Jews looking for sign, can't we say that these are the underlying expectations of much of American evangelicalism? Something, something external to affirm one's right standing with God, whether it's moral improvement or whether it's a, a circumstantial change and, or I would say a horizontal change and physical <clears throat> benefits. Isn't that what, what's being peddled and isn't that what people are assuming the gospel is? Absolutely. I think that's what we see in the evangelical scene on the one hand of what we uh, label the prosperity gospel. Mm. And usually these two circles sometimes don't mingle, mm-hmm. but they're both perhaps good representations of looking for signs and looking for wisdom. On the one hand, those looking for prosperity and healing and the miraculous. And on the other hand, a more perhaps we could call a sober crowd, just looking for more transformation, decent, clean living as a validation to their uh, right standing with God. And I think there are two examples, uh, we could say, of signs mm-hmm. and seeking after wisdom. So then it would, it, it makes sense if these are the underlying expectations and assumptions about religion. It would make sense that the hiddenness of God would remain hidden if that's what you're looking for. Yeah. I would agree. <clears throat> Yeah, I know when I was, uh, I remember growing up in, in church and you would hear people give their testimonies and they would give a testimony of how the Lord 
did this to them. Something struck them in the top of their head and ran down to the soles of their feet. And all of a sudden, uh, those evil things they used to like and desire, they, they no longer had an appetite for that. Hmm. And, and people were always promoting this as evidence of one coming to a saving knowledge of the gospel. Uh, but isn't that, you know, isn't that why we, isn't that what people are, are looking for? Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, it's amazing that Paul is actually writing this letter to a church, uh, that on the natural outward look of this church, uh, we would say they're a very prosperous church, right? I mean, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. here's a church where uh, you have different teachers uh, with eloquent, you know, teachings. You you have uh, spiritual signs all over the place. Uh, you have people sp- all over the congregation speaking in tongues. And I mean, you have all these things that are going on uh, that Paul actually commends them for and says, you know, uh, that he thanks God for the way that they have been blessed mm-hmm. uh, by him. But yet, at the same time, he's preaching this to them. He's telling them this because he wants them to understand that those outward uh, manifestations or, re- or uh, that, that, that they um, uh, enjoy mm-hmm. are not, uh, you know, what determines uh, their standing with God. But Christ crucified is. Well, what's, what's interesting also is that in the same letter, what he what he rebukes them for mm-hmm. is that they don't recognize again hiddenness because when it comes to the Lord's Supper, they have minimized that. They are focusing so much on signs and wonders and tongues and and interpretations that the most sacred thing that God has given to them mm-hmm. to affirm their presence or their their reception of of His grace, which is the Lord's table. Paul says, you take this lightly. He says, therefore, I don't commend you. I condemn you. Yeah. Mm. And doesn't that correspond much to evangelicalism? Yeah. That we have such a low theology of the Lord's Supper. You know, we hear if uh, by a lot of people that go into a church that they're just doing ordinary common things such as a sermon and prayer and the preaching of the gospel and fellowship. And there isn't any of the outward external signs of wonders and mm. the miraculous. They say the spirit is not there. Yeah. And uh, people are actually trying to seek for this experience and this miraculous demonstration to equate that with the presence of God. And essentially, Jesus says this perverse generation mm. seeks for a sign, but a sign will not be given except the sign of Jonah. Yeah. And and that is the gospel. That is the sign which goes hidden. Yeah. And it is communicated in very sometimes unassuming ways through the means of grace, the ordinary means of grace. Yeah. But how are people going to see that if their expectation is to seek after a sign? Yeah. Well, it's just I think it's also the wrong kind of signs mm. because you know, the gospel is said to be the the power of God and the greatest the greatest power to ever enter into creation is the redemptive work of Jesus. And so I think because of the redemptive work of Jesus and the signs that accompany that, like faith, uh, repentance, um, humility, mm-hmm. uh, affection for, for people, like those things 
they're not really that important because they don't really make us, they don't put us at the center of things. The gospel's power, the gospel's signs put Christ at the center. And so we, we have, I think we have a right desire for signs and power. It's just the wrong kind um, that are more about, you know, why, why does someone become so infatuated with, with, with healing? Well, if I'm sick, I am weak. If I'm weak, I am somewhat frail and less significant and less able and capable. And so the reason why I'm so enamored by physical strength being restored is it restores to me a place of prominence. Mm. And the reason why I'm so bored with, you know, the glory of the cross that, you know, credits to me someone else's obedience and covers me in their, in their bloodshedding is that it, it doesn't restore to me any sense of personal prominence. It just puts the prominence of Christ, you know, as the umbrella that, that hangs over me. And so we just, we just have a wrong preoccupation with, with the wrong kind of signs yeah. and power. Well, and, and, and again, that's, I think that's Paul's point that we are looking for glory, mm-hmm. but we're looking for man-centered glory. Therefore, we're looking for it in the wrong place. Now, one of the things that you, you touched on that, that is created or where we see the power of God at work through the gospel is the creation of what you call uh, caring for others. And I would extend it further, especially in light of this letter, uh, community. God creates a covenant community uh, through the gospel. And how that's undermined in the Corinthian church is because they're looking for other forms of, of power and proof of God's uh, presence among them. Th- that's the very thing they're undermining. They're, they're, they're suing one another. And it's interesting what Paul says it, when, when he talks about them taking one another to court. He says, why, why don't you prefer to be cheated? Well, that, that comes from, that doesn't come from a liver shiver. The idea of, you know what? I'd rather take the loss. I'd rather, I'd rather take the loss than to compromise a bond that we have in Christ and undermine my fellowship. I, that's okay. You, you know, go ahead and take, yeah, you got advantage, but that's okay. That doesn't come from a liver shiver. That doesn't come from holy anointing from oil. Mm. That comes from the, the, the grace of God and the power of God through the gospel. So this whole idea of, of community and the creating of, of, uh, bonds that, that run deeper than our flesh is not something that can be gained from any other source than the gospel. So it's it's interesting that in these two areas, uh, the, the, the Lord's Supper, and in terms of fellowship, and in terms of uh, all of these other areas, they are looking for something else to empower them. Yeah. 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 It's like, uh, I would say that in the Corinthian church and this is you know pretty summarizing of miami miami hmm. it's a spirituality which is devoid of christo crucicentricity or cross christ-centeredness so there's, there's this measure of spirituality holiness power that is not explicitly rooted in finding ourselves in the work of jesus hmm. it has jesus right. around it but it's not, you know, I, I say this is, it's, 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 it's not something coming from a union with Christ work. Um, it's just, it's just spiritual, you know? And so all of a sudden everything that is spiritual or significant becomes 
spiritual <laughs> and significant. Well, it's no matter, subjective. No, no, it's, it's subjectively defined. Yeah, yeah. And notice the symptoms of this sign-seeking spirituality. Paul calls them carnal. Yeah. And then is characterized by envy, strive, divisions among you. And he puts that as the epitome of just being carnal, being a natural man hmm. who is divided in strive and division. So um, when we're seeking after signs and signs validate ourselves or validate the apostle or the super pastor or the particular church rather than boasting in Christ, hmm. that necessarily is going to puff up, puff up the flesh. And put us at odds with one another. Mm, yeah. So oh. the ordinary, as you were saying, uh, Aldo, of the fruit of the Spirit in which there's a, you know, not a perfect church, but definitely, you know, the harmony and the seeking of the well-being of one another in Christ. Yeah. That gets thrown by the wayside to uh, these spectacular, seemingly visible demonstrations of what goes by power. But when you go and cut deeper... Then you look to the envy and strive and divisions and money, uh, lust and, and power and all of it. And then you realize you must come to the conclusion this is not of the spirit. There's something very wrong mm. with this kind of spiritual culture. Yeah. Yeah. If Christ is my replacement who I hide in, it makes me better around other people. But if Christ is my, my booster and empower, to to bring me it makes me spiritual at the expense of being personal and loving and compassionate you know i think in this conversation that it's something to bring up what is someone may be hearing this and say well you guys are kind of diminishing you know signs and wonders that are you know uh not in the gospel explicitly but what about all the signs and wonders in the go in in the bible like you know people being raised from the dead and 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 bread coming out of nothing and and people walking on water yeah and I think that th there's a text that that really answers that really well and that's uh Jesus raising the paralytic from the dead mm -hmm. it's funny like I I heard I heard mm -hmm. someone preach on this or a few like a few weeks ago at some church and the whole point of their message was uh, are you someone who's helping people or not because the people that picked up they kind of missed the point, but but yeah. <laughs> anyways, what's interesting is that Jesus says, "So that you may know, mm -hmm. the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins." That's I right. say to right. you, get up and walk. Right. That's right. Meaning yeah. that those signs and wonders, yeah. which by the way was the first thing that he did before he healed the paralytic. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> You're talking about the passage in Mark, right? Yeah. 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 What he does first is he tells the man his sins are forgiven. That's right. And his friends are ticked off about it. Yeah. Yeah. So the <laughs> signs and wonders validate in the ministry of Christ that the kingdom has come through the forgiveness of sins. Yeah. So, so Jesus' power over the effects of the fall was for the purpose to mm -hmm. vindicate him as the redeemer of the fall itself and sin and death and hell and 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 if we don't get that paradigm yep, that's right yeah. we well, we get stuck in oh, that's the big. signs that's and don't huge. go back to the point well and yeah. and i think again to to flesh out that point the whole purpose of the sign is to affirm the authority of the word spoken by the word that's right the right. living word that's that's yeah. the whole point the that's word right. of god 
uh, the, the, the message of pardon. Yes. Yeah. And to prove, because you can't see forgiven sins. What you can see is a lame person now walking. Right. So what Jesus says is first, he forgives the man of his sins yeah. and, and his friends are upset because they've gone through this yeah. whole thing about tearing off the roof to, to allow him in. And, and so they're upset and he says, okay, what's, okay, take, what, which is it easier <laughs> to say? Right. Your sins are forgiven or take up your bed and walk. Which mm-hmm. points to an ultimate eschatological reality. We don't have time to exactly. get into that now, but which it we'll points to the new age because this age is passing. Yes. And maybe yeah. we need to inflect yeah, those Yeah, and, and we, will. We, we can take that right. up in, in our mm-hmm. next uh, episode yeah. where and we can flesh that out and why right. people are drawn just to the external signs and why that's a problem when it's not connected to the Messiah himself. Right. It's not, and it's not just even that. It's also in, in the other miracle of bread. He says, you're seeking me not because you understood the signs. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But it, because yeah. you filled your it's stomachs. It's not just, yeah, it's in, and, and yeah. again, he says that the, the bread being produced out of nothing is about the provision of a substitute. Yeah. Yes. It, That's it's, the point. As a matter of fact, he says that he is the bread. That's right. You know, he identifies himself yeah. as being the bread of life. That has been given by the Father. So being, had, being satisfied with earthly bread would be to miss completely exactly. what the sign was about. Yeah. We, we had the privilege at church this past Sunday to uh, uh, allow a brother to give his testimony. Mm. Uh, he was in a coma, and uh, the church was praying for him on a daily basis. We would send people to the hospital to pray for him because he had a head injury. And uh, doctors gave him like you know 5% of, to live. And uh, he came out of the coma. I mean, mm. he is well. He is fully functional. And uh, so he gave his testimony about the Lord. I was able to afterwards just get up and, and say and, you know, actually used uh, um, that very scripture and to, to point out that, you know, uh, this brother's healing, that we celebrate mm-hmm. the grace of God in, in, in healing him. Uh, we celebrate greater what that healing represents, which Amen. is the authority of Christ to be able to forgive us of all sin. Amen. Well, that's a good place to end. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us again here at Saints and Sinners Unplugged. This is Pastor Ken Jones, joined by Pastor Jose Prado, Pastor David Menendez, and Pastor Aldo Leon. Join us next week at the same time, uh, same place. 